Good morning, Summit Church online audience. It's Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Castle Rock. I want to invite you to share this link with a friend, Pastor Wayne H. on Facebook and YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, Instagram. Let them know the church is about to get started in five minutes. We had the blessing of the bikes last Sunday, and what a great Sunday it was. We had tons of motorcycles and lots of new faces. And today, it's me and Johnny on the worship team. I'm doing sort of a Mumford & Sons style kick drum. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a little bit of bluegrassy worship. And we're celebrating moms today. So every mom that comes today gets a rose. In fact, I should say every adult woman that comes today will get a rose because my daughter is her doggie's mommy, for sure. So uh, any adult <laughs> any adult woman that's coming today will get a rose. And we're going to be talking about, my message is titled today, Telling Stories That Matter. Telling Stories That Matter. My mom always told stories. She always uh, did story time just before bed in my house. And um, the Bible is filled with stories. And the book of Acts is what we're studying right now. And it has many wonderful stories in it. So um, get on down here. If you're in the in the Castle Rock or Northern Douglas County area, come join us for worship today or just stay where you are and join us right on this feed in about five minutes. So this is your five minute warning. Worship will begin in five minutes.
Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Summit Church. All right, I'm going to do my best. Tom Petty, Neil Young, worship leader, bluegrass, guitar player thing today. All you mothers and all you adult ladies, there are roses in the bucket back there, so we're going to pray a blessing over you. You can grab your rose early if you want to hold your rose during worship, or if you want your hands free to clap, you can do that too. But we are glad that you are here. Happy Mother's Day. If you're in the room, happy Mother's Day. If you're watching on the various platforms online, church. And why don't you stand with us? We're going to sing this old gospel song called The Happy Song. Who likes getting happy? All right. Well, you're going to have to put your hands together stop your feet for this one. I'm stomping my foot, and we're all going to do our thing. All right? Oh, 
Let's pray, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be joyful. Church is not a sad place. Church is a happy place. Church is a place where we celebrate and think about your goodness and your love and your power and salvation and all the blessings you've given to us. So Lord, help us just to, even if we're not feeling happy, help us, Lord, to bring the sacrifice of praise today that as we sing, as we worship, as we lift our hands, as we clap, as we shout, as we study the scriptures, Lord, may we just begin to tell ourselves the old, old good news story that there's a God in heaven who gave his own and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that, that's not just for everyone else in general, it's for us personally true, that you love us so very much. And so, Lord, we're just going to praise you. We're going to forget about the worries of the world and the problems that we had this week, Lord. And we're going to bring that sacrifice of praise that I know that you're going to honor it today. Lord, for our mothers, I pray that they would get a special blessing for all their hard work, for their sacrifice, for the sleepless nights, <laughs> for the care that they've given into raising children and the fear and the love of the Lord. Lord, bless our moms. We thank you for the heritage that we have in the Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep it going here today. This is one called Who You Say I Am. You know, it doesn't matter what the world says who you are. It matters what God says about who you are. Amen. It's His opinion matters the that matters the most. That's what this song's all about.
such a great gift. You've given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you so much for your spirit that rests on this congregation today and everyone who's hearing the sound of my voice. Lord, thank you for your word and the power of your word as it goes out to transform and heal people and to set sinners free. We're children of God. We're no longer slaves to sin.
Mr. Tim today, but I'm going to read the one-year Bible anyway, because we read the Bible, no matter who's here, right? May 9th, the highlighted verse, is Psalm 106, verse 1. It says, yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. This is Israel forgetting about God. You know, it's easy for us to forget about God. You know, in America, sometimes we forget about God. We forget how good he's been in the past. Well, Israel forgot. It says, Yet how quickly they forgot what God had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. You know, we can test God's patience too. Even though we're living in a time of grace, right? Grace that's greater than all of our sin. You know, God doesn't wink at it. He's not like, oh, that's okay, go ahead. My son died for nothing. No, no, right? He cares about sin, it matters to him. And he's a holy God. That's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's first name is Holy. <laughs> that means that he wants us to live right, to act right, to think right, to do right, to be loving, to live as Jesus did in this world, right? And if we got Jesus on the inside, then we'll begin to do the things on the outside that Jesus would want us to do. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. We all do. But thank God for grace. Like that's why my daughter is named Grace, and she's here today for Mother's Day with her mom sitting back there. The grace that is greater than all of our sin. There's no bigger idea in all of eternity than that, that God loves us so very, very much. So we're going to sing one more called How Great Is Our God, and then it's going to go into one of my old favorite old Elvis gospel songs. I'm sure you've heard it, How Great Thou Art, but let's sing this one together.
online you can see the different ways to give to summit church of castle rock greet someone and let them know that this message is about to get started it's a happy mother's day at summit church i'm gonna release a new story today from my tilly series so stay tuned everybody I see some new faces today, which is awesome. And some of you know that we are a new church to this valley, but we're not a brand new church. We've been around a while, but we are new to Sedalia. Some of you old timers have already, you're already part of the, the, the church family text alerts. But if you'll pass this clipboard around, if you want to be a part of the prayer chain, if you have a prayer need, or if you want to just, we, we do it once a week. You'll get a little text alert with prayer requests. I'm going to lower this so you guys can, don't block my face. So you can see my love I can see your faces that way and uh, so um, that'll be awesome and just join our text alert you can find a little bit more about our church family go to mysummitchurch.com participate with us online we have people in person and online and all over the place last week we had our first outreach in this building of all time it was called the blessing of the bikes 2021 and we had a whole bunch of Harleys and Indian motorcycles and Yamahas and Kawasaki's and whatever else they were driving out there. It was amazing. And we had a chance to, to pray over every biker and their family members. Some got a decal put on their bike. Some of them are, some are putting that on their Bible or their water bottle or something. But we are so excited for what possibilities have opened for us in this old 
wooden chapel. To me, I, it's like an old Viking longhouse. You just put two little dragons on the top, it'd be a perfect Norwegian Viking longhouse in my opinion. But it's so old, it's new again, right? It's kind of nostalgic, it's retro. We end up singing a lot of hymns and old gospel songs in this room because it just, it feels right. It feels like we should be singing sweet by and by when you're in this, when you're in a room like this. And so it's kind of true to the genre of the place. But turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. And I titled my talk today, Stories That Matter, or Telling Stories That Matter. How many of you guys get the free newspaper here in Douglas County? You guys get this in your driveway? Hey, Johnny, would you meet Johnny? Give me a favor and turn off the speakers. Just turn off the speakers. They have a hum in them. Sidelia doesn't get it. Well, I'm sorry. But, but if you're in Castle Rock, you get this free newspaper. And they made a big, they made a big announcement this week in the newspaper that says that the Colorado Sun has purchased all of the local newspapers in the state of Colorado. So all, like the Castle Rock News Press, the ones up in Arapahoe County, the ones in West Denver, all these little local newspapers are all becoming one giant conglomerate newspaper under the Colorado Sun Agency. And who knows, what I don't know what the leanings will be. I'm not sure which political direction it's going to go or what will happen with it. Hopefully it'll still have a local flavor. But as I was reading the paper and just saying, oh, this is it, and the, the editors were saying goodbye. They were like, hey, thank you for 20 years of blah, 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 uh, your faithful readership. And they had, a, they had a story titled here, Telling Stories That Matter, Colorado Community Media Sold to New Entity. And there's a beginning, there's a middle and end to every story, right? And part of, I think, Mother's Day and moms and families is recognizing seasons, times and seasons that you're in, right? A mother can't be a mother until she unites with some father, right? <laughs> Hopefully in marriage. That's God's design in, in the Bible, is that a husband and a wife will have a family and that they'll raise those children together. Hope many, so many times, most of the times it's children, not just child, but sometimes it's just a child, and that's God's plan, that the child would be raised in the fear and the love of God. They would know the love of a father, the love of a mother, that uh, a parent would do a good job training your kid about hard work and honesty and the golden rule and hopefully the Ten Commandments and just all the basic, the rules of society. You know, how to be nice, be nice, be polite, say please, say thank you. Say, I'm sorry if you hurt someone's feelings, right? That's what a good parent does is they, they train their children in righteousness. And I think about my own mother. And by the way, my mom, I have mom. I have a little something. I wanted to honor you. I got my mom a bouquet of flowers. And she always loves a card. So I did a card for her. So there you go, mom. Happy Mother's Day. And yeah, so there we go. So everyone, do something for your mom today, you know? And I honor my mom. I thank God for her, her um, instruction, her love from the youngest times and ages of my life. I think of the, some of my earliest memories is my mother reading Bible stories to me. And there was this um, picture Bible when I was a, a little boy called the Bible in Pictures for Little Eyes. And it would have one, just a, a very colorful illustration and like two paragraphs that would tell the story and then a couple inductive questions so that you make sure the kid gets it like you understand the story 
And by the way, I have that on my YouTube channel. So if you go to Pastor Wayne H on YouTube, I have a whole playlist where I've read through that exact same Bible my mom took me through as a kid, uh, reading every story and asking all the inductive questions. I'm like the Mr. Rogers of Bible, t- Bible storytellers, all right? So I do all the things like I pretend that the kid is answering, you know, and I'm like, so isn't this amazing? And I wait. Because I remember as a kid when Mr. Rogers would talk to me, I would answer, and then he would nod. I'm like, he can hear me. He can hear me. It's magic. Mr. Rogers knows my name because I told him my name, right? And kids need that interaction. They need mentoring. They need love. They, they, they need validation of their feelings, right? You know, they just, it's so hard. Imagine how hard it is to be a kid these days. It was tough before the pandemic. Imagine how hard it is for kids now. They need love, they need grace, they need understanding, they need mentoring, right? So my mom was always telling me stories that mattered. The Bible matters. She would, another book that she would read to me was The Pilgrim's Progress. And it was an allegory of the Christian going from this, the city of destruction to the celestial city. And all along the way, he's going through all the temptations and trials and troubles that every Christian goes through, you know, doubt and fear and despair and all those feelings that we have as Christians. And eventually Christian comes to the celestial city, crosses through the river Jordan, right? Passes from death into eternal life, you know, and it's a beautiful story, beautiful allegory. Uh, She used to also read another book called The Sugar Creek Gang, the sugar, if you've never heard of that one, but it was sort of a, a just a, a set of stories about these kids that were in a little, just kind of a, like, a, like a gang, I guess, but not like a street gang with knives and guns. But they were like just a, like, you know, just a neighborhood group of kids that like to play together, like Stand By Me, but maybe a little cleaner than Stand By Me, like a Christian version of Stand By Me a little bit. And I remember one particular story that I really loved that she would tell me was, and many, many of you have probably seen this book, maybe you, your mom read it to you, or maybe a kindergarten teacher. It was a story called The Little Engine That Could. <laughs> Guys, remember that one? Little blue, my book had a little blue engine going up the hill. And the big engine says, if you think you can, then you can. And so the little engine that could is going up the hill. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he's like, yes, you can. He's going up the hill, and then he gets over the top, and he goes, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could. And I loved a little engine that could. I've always tried to be a little engine that could person, right? One that's not easy to give up or to quit. When times get tough, you go up the hill, and you end up going backwards sometimes. You're like, oh, man, go keep going. The difference between the man who fails and the man who succeeds is the man who doesn't give up, right? You just keep going. Now, it doesn't guarantee success, but it certainly improves your odds if you don't quit. If you do quit, it guarantees you'll fail, right? So some of you know I'm a children's author, and I illustrate stuff. I, I'm a, I'm a, I sketch, and I do music and all that stuff. And I, my first book is back there if you're interested. It's called Tilly the Tilapia, A Life After Death Fish Tale. And it, it tells the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the miracle catch from the fish's perspective. And it's just a fun little story about self-sacrifice and about, uh, about Jesus and how he can multiply things. But I've been writing this other story, a new follow-up story, 
to Tilly called, called Tilly Breaks Through. And some of you have seen my time-lapse sketches on Facebook. I, I post some of those as, I, as I'm doing the illustrations. Well, I finally finished it and I submitted it to the publisher this week. Would you like to hear the next story? Okay, I illustrated, I've got it on the screen, and it's called Tilly Breaks Through, a lesson on never giving up. This is maybe my little version of the little engine that could, okay? And it's so sad that Tilly dies in the other story, right? Not, not the spoiler alert and everything, but uh, you know, Tilly lays down her life for others and in a sacrificial act. But this time, Tilly gets out of the net, and wonderful things happen on this journey. So you ready? You ready to hear the story? Do you like story time? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to do this every week, but this is special. It's Mother's Day. Yeah. Mom, this is for you. All right, for all the stories that you've ever read to me down through the years. Tilly breaks through a lesson on never giving up by Dr. Wayne Hansen. And here we go. There's the, here, there, the, the first page. One day, Tilly and Tommy Tilapia were playing tag at the bottom of the Sea of Tiberias. Gotcha, said Tommy to Tilly. No tag backs. Suddenly, a big net dropped on, the two, on both of them. What do I do, Tommy said. I don't know, said Tilly. I'm stuck too. Next one. Just then, Shelly the shrimp walked by and said, chill out, the hole is right over here. You can just step right through. Here, watch, watch me. It's so easy. Tilly said, okay, I see the hole, but I don't think I'll fit through. Sure enough, Tilly stuck her face through the hole but she was too big for the net. Push through the net, said Shelly. Okay, said Tilly. Ouch, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. Oh no, now I'm even more stuck than I was before. Now I'm in really big trouble. Don't be afraid, Shelly said. You can do it if you don't give up. So Tilly wiggled and squirmed and she even took a couple bites at the net. She was starting to get really tired. Snip, snip, snap, snip. Keep going. You can do it, Tilly, Shelly said. I just can't, she cried. Come on, sis, Tommy said. You can do this. After all, once you break through the hole, then we can both get out. Pop, pop. Tilly pushed harder than ever before. Pop. Suddenly, one of the strings on the net snapped. She pushed forward a little bit more. Pop, pop, the net was starting to break. I'm doing it, said Tilly. Pop, 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 pop. I'm so doing it. Yeah, shouted Tommy. So you are. I'm so doing it. <laughs> Just then, Tilly broke through. Breathing a sigh of relief, she said, come on, Tommy, now it's your turn. You made that look easy, Tommy said. It is easy, said Shelly. Oh, be quiet, said Tilly. It was easy for you, but Tommy is bigger than both of us. Thanks for the reminder, said Tommy, as he stuck his face through the hole. How did you do that, Tilly? It's tricky. Tilly said, do your best. I think you can get out just like me. Go, Tommy, go. So Tommy started pushing. Oh, wow, this is hard. Urgh. Ouch! Now I'm really stuck. It's okay, said Tilly. That happened to me too, remember? And they cheered. Go, Tommy, go. Go, Tommy, go. 
Tommy closed his eyes and yelled, and that yelling seemed to help somehow, and suddenly the net popped. Tommy found himself on the outside of the net. Whew, he said, I'm free. I'm really and truly free. Shelly said, let's get out of here. Wait, said Tilly, what about all the other fish that are trapped? We should go back. No way, said Tommy, not after all that work that we did. No, said Tilly, let's not go back inside the net, but let's swim on the outside to show others how to get out. Okay, said Tommy, let's do it. So Shelly said, I'm out of here. See you later. Okay, Tilly said, a little disappointed. See you later, said Tommy. Tilly and Tommy started trying to help the other fish get out. They slowly swam along the length of the net and stopped to talk to the fish on the other side. Gary, the grouper, said, What are you talking about? I don't see any net. You're crazy. No, no, said Tommy. You really are in trouble. Gary turned. He turned around and swam away. Barracuda Bob said, I'm not in the net. You're in the net. <laughs> no, no, Tilly said. We just slipped through the, the net back there. It really looks like you're in the net, Bob said. And he flicked his tail and he left. <laughs> Maybe he's right, Tommy said. Maybe we are on the wrong side of the net. Tilly said, I guess we'll only know once the nets go up if we were right. I sure hope we did the right thing, said Tommy. Me too, said Tilly. Just then, Jerry the jellyfish started swimming by on the other side of the net. Flirbity gerbity merp. Oh, hey, Jerry, what's up? Do you know if we're on the inside or the outside of the net? Jerry said, flirbity gerbity merp. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. We don't speak jellyfish, Tommy said. Schnorp torp florp. <laughs> click, click, click. Suddenly a loud clicking sound came from the surface above. Tommy said, look, the sand is kicking up. We were on the right side of the net after all. What a relief. Let's be careful next time. Yeah, I agree, said Tilly. And then Tilly tagged Tommy and said, you're it. And the two tilapia fish joyfully swam away. The end. Aww. All right. You like it? <laughs> There's a few lessons in there. Don't ever, ever give up, right? Even when it gets painful, push through. Everyone needs encouragement. Sometimes you're trapped and you don't even know it. And sometimes you don't know if you're right or wrong until the very end, right? There's a few morality lessons there. I hope that uh, you'll take some of that into yourself as you think about, maybe you're pushing through a difficulty. Maybe you're feeling trapped. Maybe things are going not the way you thought they should go. Well, this is why we tell stories that matter. Stories that matter, I think the best stories actually come from the Bible. And we've been studying the Bible quite a bit this year. We've been doing chapter and verse. And there's several stories, I'm gonna to try to get through as many as I can here before my time is up, from the book of Acts. And we left off last week, the motorcycle day, I did a quick overview of Acts 1 through 5, and we left the apostles in jail, in prison. 
They arrested all the leaders of the early church, John and Peter and James and their brothers, and all the, they were all arrested by the Sanhedrin. And then this man named Gamaliel, who was one of the, the leading priests, the Pharisees, he said, hey, don't you remember? This isn't the first rebellion we ever had. He said that, uh, remember there, there was this one uprising that happened and nothing came of it? That other guy came around and he was executed and then it came to nothing? He goes, but if this really is from God, my advice is leave these people alone. You might finding, find yourself fighting against God. And this is, this is what he says. This is his advice in Acts chapter 5. He says, so my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you'll not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. And of course, they warn them sternly and they let them go. <laughs> and do you think that stopped the apostles from preaching the gospel, healing the sick? Raising the dead? <laughs> How many know that the church only increased after that? Right? Like, wow, they can't do anything. They threatened us. That's all they can do is threat. Well, because then, they, then they'd have a divine jailbreak. All of a sudden, angel would come, just let them go in the middle of the night. Like, oh, we don't know what to do with these guys. So there are seven men that are chosen at the beginning of the church. The church exploded in growth. 3,000 people got saved on one day. And, of course, they didn't have a church building. They met in the temple courts. They met from house to house. They met out in the open. They met under trees. They met by the streams and rocks. They just met wherever they could. They'd meet in a tent-making business. They'd meet any number of places where they could circle up and talk about Christ and the gospel and how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law and how God is, God is up to something. God is doing something. And the apostles, of course, they're, they're doing all kinds of things. They're feeding hungry people. Right? They're giving shelter to those who are homeless. They have all kinds of programs that are going on. And probably like three, how many, if you had to take care of 3,000 people and all of their needs, where they slept and the food they had, how many of that would be kind of overwhelming, right? So they said, you know what, we need to assign some guys to the food program so that we can actually study the scriptures and teach the church and do the things that we're called to do. And so of these seven men, one of them was a man named Stephen. He was a deacon of the early church. He was called to do the work of the feeding program assigned by the apostles. And he was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And Stephen is just an inspiring figure of the New Testament. Stephen, during his gospel work, not only was he feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, taking in the poor, he was preaching the gospel in the streets of Jerusalem with boldness. Like, just telling, hey, you remember that Jesus? Yeah, you guys crucified him. He was the very son of God. He died for our sins. You need to receive what he's done. He was the Messiah. And of course that made people very angry and they wanted to kill him for it. So they had Stephen arrested just as they had arrested the apostles. They arrested Stephen. And so they come and they, they bring, they hire some people to tell some lies about Stephen. They said, we heard blasphemies uh, that he's, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. And this roused the people and the elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him in before the high council. And of course, Stephen is a Jew. In chapter 7 of, of Acts chapter 7, he begins to show them, Hey, I, I, got, I got my Jew card, everybody. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I know the stories. And he goes and tells everything from, from the Bible. From creation to Noah to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
all the story of Moses and Joshua and all the prophets. He tells the whole, he lays out the whole story of Israel. He tells all of it. They're like, wow, he really knows, he knows the whole thing. He knows the story. This is not some Gentile. This is not just some Samaritan. This guy knows what he's talking about. He legitimizes his claims to Judaism. And then he ends his talk talking about Christ. And he, he's speaking about David. He says, David found favor with God and he asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. And it, but it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as this? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? And then Stephen begins to accuse them. He's been accused by them. He's been brought before them. And he turns around and he says, you stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. You must forever, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did. And so do you. Name one prophet that your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's laws, God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. And the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. And they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers took off their coats and laid those coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Stephen was the first martyr of the Christian church. The first person to lay down his life for the sake of the gospel. It's a powerful story. And if you're going to give your life for something, give it for something worthy like the gospel. For the truth. For the power of God. Which takes us to chapter 8. So this man, this young man named Saul, who was a zealot, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, sees this new cult called Christianity. They considered it a cult. We consider it the truth, right? He said, we're going to start arresting these people. We're going to start executing these people. They can't say these things about Moses. They can't say these things about the temple. They can't say these things about God, not knowing that he was going to have his own encounter with God. He begins to persecute Christians all throughout Jerusalem and Judea and the greater areas up into Syria and to D Damascus and all the, the eastern Mediterranean area. He would take soldiers from the temple guard and he would arrest Christians from house to house and have some of them killed. Some of them he probably killed by his own hand. But the, the gospel continues to thrive. Do you know that the church always thrives under persecution? Do you know that the church always thrives under persecution? That's why we don't have to be afraid of them outlawing church or Christianity. If they force us underground, you know what's going to happen? 
the church is just gonna grow. <laughs> the gospel is just gonna. They go. What's so bad about being a Christian? What's so bad about church? I'm gonna find out what's going on with these people. God's gonna do miracles. He's gonna heal people. He's gonna do amazing things that He always does. Because it's what God does. You can't kill the church of Jesus Christ. It's an eternal institution established by Jesus himself. So if you persecute it, it's only going to thrive. And so there's this story of this, this man named Philip. And he's preaching in Samaria. And, and he does amazing things. Um, and, and, so, and then a man named Simon, uh, who's a sorcerer, becomes a Christian. And they lay their hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit. And one of those, when, when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they would speak with other tongues since the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. And they would be filled with a power that could only come from God. There is a secondary work after salvation. And a lot of Christians are afraid to talk about that because they're afraid of one particular gift, the gift of tongues. It's freaky, it's scary to them, they don't understand it. You know how God is bigger than what you can understand? <laughs> but how many know that when you need healing, you want someone with a gift of healing? Right? When you need wisdom, you want someone with a gift of wisdom that comes from God. Amen, somebody? Amen. So just because God gives you something you don't understand doesn't mean you should reject it as a gift. Be open to whatever he wants to give you. And so there is a baptism that comes by the Holy Spirit. So this sorcerer sees them doing this, and um, Philip gets translated in this crazy story, like beam me up Scotty, like Star Trek style. Um, you guys remember the transporter room? You go into the Enterprise, and Mr. Scotty would like would press a lever, and you'd go from inside the ship, you'd go to the planet surface, right? And every Star Trek episode, they'd be in the transporter room, they'd get transported back and forth. Well, Philip gets the, the beam me up Scotty gift. Uh, he gets to go from, from uh, Antioch, I guess, uh, to this place on the road, probably in Gaza, on the road to Ethiopia. And he meets this eunuch who is a treasurer for the kingdom of Ethiopia. And he's the, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading the book of Isaiah, sitting in his chariot, probably with some soldiers and servants. And he hears him reading the book of Isaiah and he goes, what are you reading? <laughs> and he goes, I'm reading Isaiah. He goes, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, I don't know how I can understand what I'm reading when no one can explain it to me. He goes, I'll tell you what it means. And it was probably, he was probably reading Isaiah 53, talking about the suffering servant, Messiah being the suffering servant. He goes, this is Jesus. This has just been fulfilled in Jerusalem just a little while ago. You're reading about Messiah. He's the suffering servant. And he says, is there anything that's keeping us from baptizing you right now? Do you want to receive what Christ has done? Do you want to have your sins forgiven? Do you want to receive Messiah? Do you want to become a Christian? He goes, yeah, I think I do. The first African gets saved on that day. He gets baptized right there at the side of the road to Ethiopia. And then God zaps Philip <laughs> back to his hometown again. And he continues to do miracles. Isn't that something? God doesn't have to do anything your way. He always does it his way. And his way is always better. His way is always unbelievable. His way is always miraculous. His way is always astounding. And because of that one man taking the gospel to Ethiopia, there is the oldest church in the world. It's called the, the Coptic Church. They have, it, they have it in Egypt and Ethiopia. The oldest Christian church in the world is in Africa. 
Isn't that something? And so, from this, in chapter 9, we see Saul is continuing to persecute Christians. He's going house to house. He's on his way to Damascus to continue his persecution of Christians. And God knocks him off his horse and appears to him in a, in, in just a, in a, in a, as like a beam of light. And the men that are near him can hear a voice, but they don't see what he sees. And this voice speaks to him. And, he's, and he says, uh, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but they saw no one and Saul picked himself up off the ground but when he opened his eyes he was blind so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus and remained there blind for three three days and did not eat or drink and he went to this little place in Damascus you can go there today it's called Straight Street he's in the house convalescing trying to get his eyesight back and he's, he's seeking God and going, man, I've been wrong about everything. I've been wrong about everything. I've been persecuting the wrong people. Of course, think of the remorse that he had. I killed people. I, I was so wrong. I murdered people. I was so wrong. So he took a few days, just I'm sure, to mourn and to really feel bad about what he had done. And then he gets, God calls a man another different man named Ananias, the good Ananias in Damascus, says, I want you to go to this house on Straight Street and lay your hands on this man named Saul. He goes, Lord, I know who this guy is. We, I, I already know. I'm ahead of you. I know who this guy is. You want me to die? He's killing people. No, no, no. I, I've taken away his sight. I want you to lay your hands on him. I'm going to restore his sight, and you're going to show him how much he must suffer for me. Ananias goes, Okay, God. <laughs> How many of God asked you to do something and it's scary? You don't want to do it. But if you know it's God, you better do it. Yeah. Right? That's where Ananias was. Walked into the house. He goose. Brother Saul. Can you imagine how Saul felt hearing a Christian say, Brother Saul? After all that he'd done, he was received by a Christian, forgiven. And God restores his sight. And immediately Saul changes his name to Paul, and he starts preaching the gospel right then and there. He starts going throughout uh, that northern area. He ends up eventually going to Arabia for a while in exile. But um, he does amazing things. During this time, at the end of chapter 9, Peter heals a man named Aeneas, um, and who had been crippled for eight years, and then he raises a woman named Dorcas. Now, that's such a, that's a rough name, right? In English, it's a rough name. Hopefully, it's a nicer name. Uh, in Hebrew or Aramaic, but uh, so this was a cherished lady of the church that always doing kind acts for, for God, always feeding people, always helping people, making clothing for people. And she dies unexpectedly. Peter lays his hands on her. I just want to read this account. It says, then he knelt and prayed, and turning to the body, he says, her other name is Tabitha, much nicer name, right? Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes, and she saw Peter, and she sat up, 
and he gave her his hand and he helped her up. And then he called the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. And the news spread throughout the whole town and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa living with Simon the Tanner and uh, the Tanner of Hides, which leads us to the story of Cornelius. And I think I'll pick that up. Cornelius is the first actual Gentile believer. Uh, many people think that the Ethiopian eunuch was half Jew, half African. So Cornelius is the first Gentile household that comes to Christ, and that's where we'll pick up next week. Stories matter, don't they? Aren't these stories amazing? I'm sure you have your own stories of what God has done for you in your life. Maybe healing stories, miracle stories, mysterious stories that you can't explain, where you go, I know that was God. There's no other explanation. It had to have been God. Wonderful story, the most wonderful story for us to tell, of course, is the gospel, the good news. And you know, it's, it's not fiction. It's true. Some of this can read like fiction. It's so fantastical. It's so amazing. You're like, man, I wish I could have been there to see it. You know, when I get to heaven, I hope we can get to rewind the tape and watch some of this stuff. Like, whoa, wouldn't it be great to see these people being raised from the dead and Philip getting translated, you know, you transporter, beam me up, Scotty, over to the Ethiopian, like watch this stuff happen. Maybe we'll get to do that in heaven. We probably will. But maybe you hear a message like this, you're watching or listening online, or you're in the room. And you know that if you died, you would not go to heaven. You haven't been living with Christ as the Lord of your life. And you know that this is the moment, like it's time to switch teams. It's time to be adopted into God's family. It's time to say, you know what? I'm going to turn from my old ways of sinning and death and destruction. I want to... I want to turn towards life in Christ. I want to be adopted into God's family. It's a simple transaction. It doesn't cost you anything, but it cost him everything. And he just says, will you say yes? A lot of people say, well, I got to clean up my act first. Then I'll come to Jesus. No, no. Come to Jesus just as you are. And he'll help you clean up your act. He'll begin to change your heart. He'll begin to change your mind. He'll begin to help you along the way to change your behavior and become the person that God wants you to be. You can never clean yourself up anyway. That's a work that only he can do. So if you need to give your life to Christ, it's a simple prayer that you pray in church. Will you pray pray it with me out loud for those who might be praying it for the first time? Say, dear Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures, I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart that you are who you say you are. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. That's awesome. Let's do something special here. Corey, will you help me? We grab those roses and let's give every adult lady in the room a rose. And we're going to let these ladies be honored here for a minute. And we're going to pray a, a blessing of love and joy and protection over each one of you on this Mother's Day. Being a mom is a tough job, right? Yes. You do so many things that nobody ever sees, 
right? So many things go unnoticed, right? And you even get your hair cut and we don't notice, right? You get a new dress and we don't even notice. You do something different in the house and we're like, is there something different? We can't tell what it is, right? But you know what? At least you get one day a year for us to go, we are thankful for you. We're grateful for you. So if, if you see an adult lady nearby or you're next to one, would you put your hand on her shoulder or take hands and let's just, let's just honor these women of God and women of faith. And I believe that God's going to bless us and bless them all at the same time. Very good. Very good. You moms, if you come in person, you can get a rose. This is incentive for you to come to church in person, okay? And... Uh, I hope that wherever you are watching or listening to this, you do remember to call or text your mom today. Tell her you love her and that you appreciate her. Very good. M Maria had to work today, but she would have been here. And Ron wasn't feeling well. But Johnny did a good job on bass, didn't he? So it was awesome. Very good. So ladies, would you stand up? Let's pray a blessing over, over you. Put your hand on a shoulder of a mother or... If you're by yourself, put your hand on your own shoulder, I guess. Something. But let's do it. Father in heaven, we bless these women. We thank you for their, their example. Would you strengthen them? Would you give them a joy for the journey that they're on? Would you give them wisdom to know what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, that they would give godly advice to their children or they would withhold advice when they really want to give it and probably shouldn't, Lord. Would you just give them the wisdom of Esther, Lord, and that grace that you, you give to mothers and fathers as we raise our children in the fear and the love of the Lord. Bless them, Lord. Give them a joy that's incalculable. And Lord, protect them. They may this year of motherhood be the best year that they have as moms uh, so far. And we bless them as a church and we thank you for them. And church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Christ's name, amen, amen, amen. Glad you came today, everybody. Support the ministry. You can hit the tithe and offering bucket in the back or you can support us online. Go to mysummitchurch.com. Thanks for watching and viewing today. Thanks for being a part of worship. God bless you guys. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hughes. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.